Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to my Patreon-only content. It is with a heavy heart that I come to you guys to inform you that, ladies and gentlemen, the Puritans are at it again. Um, if you've noticed over the past weekend, um, yeah, people started fighting about porn on Twitter. Not porn on Twitter, but fighting about porn on Twitter. And since this did happen over the weekend, a lot of people kind of came into this, like, in the center of everything going on. And we're basically like, whoa, wait, why, why are we, why are we arguing about porn? What the hell happened? So I am going to explain to you how exactly this all started. And like with so many other horrible, awful, no good things that happen in this country, it started with a couple of dipshits in Congress. Um, four Republican representatives wrote a letter to Attorney General Barr asking him to start prosecuting porn that meets the legal definition of obscenity. And I want to read the letter because this is just fucking precious. Like, I am just... This is hilarious. So this is how it all started. In case you came in in the middle of this and were wondering what the hell was going on, this is what started it. So this dropped on Friday afternoon. Um, National Review got the exclusive of the copy of the letter that was sent to Barr. So let me go ahead and read the letter so you can understand why this is so stupid. This is so dumb, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it's dumb, but it's not because there's people that actually legitimately mean this shit, and that's a little scary. So, anyway, the letter. Dear Attorney General Barr, we write to you today out of concern for the rule of law and as well as the welfare of our people. The internet and other evolving technologies are fueling the expansion of obscene pornography by making it more accessible and visceral. This explosion in pornography coincides with an increase in violence towards women and an increase in the volume of human trafficking as well as child pornography. Victims are not limited to those directly exploited, however, and include society writ large. This phenomenon is especially harmful to youth who are being exposed to obscene pornography at exponentially younger ages. Okay, just to take a little second here to fact check. Um... There is no corollary between porn and violence against women. In fact, if you want to draw any kind of corollary, especially if you want to use, say, rape, um, porn actually decreases the number of rapes in countries that have these sorts of stats versus countries where porn is not allowed. So it does not increase violence towards women. Whether it increases human trafficking, well... The definition of human trafficking is very interesting right now and doesn't necessarily include things that would involve human trafficking, like, I don't know, actual consenting adults engaging in sex work is somehow now conflated with human trafficking. And I mean all sex work is conflated with human trafficking, not just actual human trafficking, which, by the way, is illegal. Human trafficking is illegal. Child pornography, also illegal. Having sex with minors illegal. Yes, coercive sex. Illegal. <laughs> so this is the first problem. You're bitching about things that are already illegal. There are already laws against them. We don't need new ones. You can enforce the ones that are already there. And as far as the phenomena of the youths 
and the porns. Yes, people are accessing porn at younger ages because there is more access to it. We all have phones. We can all get porn on our phones. Whether this is increasing anything really remains to be seen. I mean, the teen pregnancy rate and birth rate has plummeted. I I don't I I I don't think that this is I mean, you can make an argument that as far as their sex lives are concerned, this may be a bad thing. But I thought everybody was happy with the teenagers having less sex. I thought that was the, the thing. And I've discussed this before on my, my main podcast. It's been a minute. Maybe I should do another episode on it. But yeah, th- this idea that we have to keep the youths away from the porns. You know where this is going. Anybody who invokes, but think about the children. You know it ain't about the children. You know it's not. Anyway, moving on. Fortunately, U.S. obscenity laws exist that, if enforced, can ameliorate this problem, as you well know from your previous term as U.S. Attorney General, when you effectively shut down the pornography industry and dramatically decreased child pornography in America. Okay, little backstory on Barr. The first time he was AG was back when George H.W. Bush was president back in the early 90s, and... Yes, they did take up the issue of pornography. Obviously, if you know anything about the 90s, this is when the far left and the far right got together to have a problem with the pornographies and the rap musics and the heavy metal music and it just just that whole age of censorship that was tried. But this whole idea that you effectively shut down the pornography industry in the 90s, if you weren't there in the 90s, Let me tell you what happened to porn in the 90s. It went mainstream. Porn stars became normal stars, like household name stars. Pornography didn't go anywhere in the 90s. It blew up in the 90s. And there's a lot of different reasons for that, especially when you think about how technology evolved. And not we're not talking the internet, obviously, the 90s. I mean, late 90s, you start getting that. But especially like early to mid-90s, you're looking at things like VHS. You're looking at things like DVDs. You're looking at the ability to rent porn and watch it in your house. You're looking at when you started having cable channels that did air porn. That's when porn blew up. So this idea that porn went away in the 90s and that Bill Barr made it go away. No, that's not what happened. I was there. Anyway, Those U.S. laws prohibit distribution of obscene pornography on the internet, on cable satellite TV, in hotels, motels, by retail or wholesale establishments, and by common carrier. Yet the enforcement of obscenity laws was stopped by the Obama administration when Attorney General Eric Holder disbanded the Obscenity Prosecution Task Force in the Criminal Division. Wait, you're telling me that, that Eric Holder did something I agree with? Holy shit! I... I'm shocked. I never thought I'd see the day where I said, hey, Eric Holder did a good job on something. Because, yeah, it's not the government's place to define what is obscene. And we'll get there in a second, because I want to talk about specifically about Miller v. California, the SCOTUS case that defines obscenity. And I use define in air quotes because, as we'll see, it's a very very vague, broad description. And I think that was very much on purpose. But this idea that there should be some kind of task force that 
decides what people get to watch as far as porn is concerned is a really shitty idea. We'll keep coming back to that theme because there are people that legit want that to happen and then some. But we're not done with the letter yet. And this this is the funniest part. This is the funniest part of the letter. In August 2016, then-candidate Donald J. Trump signed the first-ever anti-pornography pledge. This asserts that, if elected, President Trump will enforce federal obscenity laws to stop the explosion of obscene pornography. This pledge has so far been ignored in the Trump administration, with the result that the harms of illegal pornography have continued unabated, affecting children and adults so acutely to the point that 15 state legislatures have declared that pornography is causing a public health crisis. It is imperative that you follow through on this important campaign promise made by Mr. Trump. Donald Trump, the guy who banged porn stars and adult models and paid them to not talk about it. You think he gives a fuck about your anti-pornography bullshit? This man fucks porn stars. <laughs> and you want to wonder why he just... It hasn't been enforced. We don't know why. Because it was bullshit to begin with, you morons. He told you what you wanted to hear. I swear to God. I, I, Trad cons are some of the dumbest people alive right now. Like, I just, I can't. I cannot with them. But, yeah, that's just hilarious that you thought Trump gave a shit about that. And as far as public health crises in states are concerned, how many states have declared a quote-unquote public health crisis in relationship to vaping? That should tell you how serious states take this shit and what exactly goes into a state declaring a public health crisis. Like what you heard about three people having a problem with something that all of a sudden it's a public health crisis. We got to ban it. Yeah. Does this sound like this is where this is going? Like, okay, four people consumed an illegal substance and had a problem with it. So now everybody's fucked. I mean, you would think that these people could learn something from other situations, but no, no, apparently not. We got to finish up this letter. Given the pervasiveness of obscenity, it's our recommendation that you declare the prosecution of obscene pornography a criminal justice priority and urge your U.S. attorneys to bring prosecutions against the major producers and distributors of such material. We urge you to take this simple yet important step towards protecting the lives of those affected by these long-ignored crimes. We look forward to your response regarding this request and other actions in the Department of Justice is prepared to take in light of these abuses. Sincerely, Jim Banks, Vicki Hartzlitzer, Mark Meadows, and Brian Babin. So, apparently, there's just not enough going on in Congress right now, and Bill Barr doesn't have enough other shit to be doing right now. We've got time to worry about obscene porn on the internet. Really? Really? Okay. (laughs) Like, 50 other things I could come up with that Congress should be spending their time worrying about, but these dipshits want to worry about porn on the internet because of the children. (laughs) I can't make this stuff up. But anyway, that's what kicked off this whole weekend long, just real normal one. I, I Conservative Twitter had a real, real normal one this past weekend. That started, it, But that's how this whole porn conversation got started. So 
moving on from that, um, let's talk about this. Let's unpack this a little bit. Starting with the whole aspect of stop me if you think that you've heard this one before, it's because you have. And like I was talking about while I was reading the letter, um, back in the 90s, yes, this was a thing. And it does come up, I'd say once or twice every decade or so. There there were some blips of this in the 2000s too. Um, probably some shades of it in the 2010s and now we're here today. But the last real kind of concerted push within government within Congress was back in the 90s when the anti-porn left and the anti-porn right ganged up. And you had this really unholy alliance of like social conservatives and radical feminists who both oppose porn for sometimes the same reasons, sometimes different reasons. Um, Obviously, from the social conservative side, there's this whole, well, it, the porn is decaying the societies and the children's and the the people's and it's bad and it's horrible and nobody should watch it. And then obviously on the Radfem side, you have the idea that porn is very exploitative of women, that these women are being coerced into the life somehow, that this is just all just very very kind of exploitative, very oppressive towards women. So you had that kind of mashup in the 90s and you you get this every time. And I, I talk about political horseshoe theory and this is one of those that just really proves the point that the far left and the far right are a hell of a lot closer to each other than they would ever be willing to admit and further away from the rest of us than they would ever be willing to admit. But yeah, this this whole is oh my god just the whole idea of this is just so fucking ridiculous because both sides ultimately want a more authoritarian state to step in and do something about the porn and obviously if you care anything about smaller government and you care about personal liberty and you care about the government getting the fuck out of your life and especially getting the fuck out of your bedroom you should find this abhorrent because this is bad. So anyway, I I want to move on to a, the, the kind of the second part of this. And that is the definition of obscenity. And I do want to talk about Miller v. California. And I want to talk about the criteria that that Supreme Court decision sets forth for the definition of obscene material, which this is the functioning legal framework slash definition slash litmus test that exists to this day. Um, if memory serves, uh, Miller v. California was in 67, I do believe, and it did supersede a couple of other obscenity rulings. And so this one has kind of become de facto law of the land, if you want to look at it that way. But let's go through the criteria that 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 case sets up for defining whether or not something is obscene. And actually, excuse me, I take it back. It was 73. So the Supreme Court in Miller v. California outlined three questions that must be asked and answered to determine if a particular material is obscene. One, whether the average person applying contemporary community standards would find that the work taken as a whole appeals to the prurient interest in inordinate interest in sex. Number two, whether the work depicts or describes in a patently offensive way sexual conduct. Number three, 
and this is number three has always kind of been the linchpin for porn and for any kind of adult content in general. Whether the work taken as a whole lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Now, like I was saying, this defines obscenity in a very broad, very subjective way that leaves room for evolving societal standards on what is and is not obscene. Because obviously what would have been considered obscene in 1973 would not necessarily be considered obscene in 2019. Like in 1973, it would have been considered obscene to see, say, two men kiss on television. Obviously, nowadays, that's fairly commonplace. There's the whole shows about gay couples. So... So Miller v. California does allow for society to move and change and kind of be a little more malleable in what the definition of obscene is. The second part is the the kind of trying to figure out if something is depicting sexual content in an offensive way. Now, here's the thing. What you find offensive, I may not find offensive. What you and I may find offensive, somebody else may not find offensive. It leaves it very open and broad to interpretation. And I think they did that on purpose because, I mean, at the edges, it's easy to kind of define what is and is not offensive. But the closer you start moving into the middle, the more murky that gets and the more subject to interpretation that gets. And then the third part, which, like I said, has always been kind of the linchpin defense of adult content in general, is whether a work has or does not have any kind of serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. You you can't really determine whether something has serious artistic value. That, again, is a very subjective notion. So... While we have something of a working legal definition of obscenity, it is very, very broad. And I do think that that is a good thing. And I do think that the Supreme Court, when they made this decision, was thinking about what it would look like if the government or if the Supreme Court started making hard and fast rules about what is and is not obscene, like started drawing bright lines and saying, this is obscene, this is not obscene. That's very hard to do because obscenity is subjective. What is, what has artistic merit is subjective. What is too overtly sexual is subjective. So when you start asking the government to prosecute obscene pornography, there is no legal definition of that. There is no legal definition of pornography. It's it's one of those, it's the famous, I know it when I see it. It's, and again, pornography, much like obscenity, is something that's very easy to define at the edges. Like, I'm sure we can all agree that anything that shows full penetration is pornography. But once you start moving in towards the center, um, do you think Fifty Shades is pornography? Do you think that if a rated R movie has a depiction of sex or somebody masturbating or I don't know anything like once you start moving in towards the center, all of a sudden people have different ideas of where that line should be. 
And that's fine. There should be freedom for people to decide where their particular line is and what they do and do not want to see. So, yeah. I I told you all that to tell you the idea of asking the government to prosecute, quote unquote, obscene pornography is ridiculous. You're, you're asking them to do something that is literally impossible right now because there's no legal definition that would give them any kind of standing. And like I said, child pornography is already illegal. You can prosecute child pornography. The government does prosecute child pornography. That's fine. If you want to prosecute somebody for making a porn where the sex is not consensual, it's coercive. That's you can do that. That because that's already illegal. I mean, it, you're you're asking for something by conflating it with something else that's already been handled. So it's it's this weird little sleight of hand where you think that nobody's going to question you on that. I got questions. I've got questions. So anyway, moving on from that to. One of the first arguments that anybody ever wants to posit when you talk about pornography and that that is porn is not speech. All right. First of all, yes, it is. The courts have already ruled that pornography is indeed covered by the First Amendment. And so therefore, no, Congress has no business trying to regulate porn in general, aside from the categories that we have already determined are illegal for other reasons other than them just being pornography. The government can't prosecute pornography. It's protected speech. This is settled. I don't understand why people keep bringing this up. It's the stupidest fucking argument. It shows that you're an idiot and you don't know what legal precedent is. So, the second part about this particular argument, how shall I say this? There are some people out there in the world who claim to be free speech absolutists, yet call for the government to regulate pornography. Now, as I just explained, pornography is considered speech, and it is covered by 1A. Even if it wasn't, if you are going to call yourself a free speech absolutist, and you are going to be consistent in your support of people expressing themselves in the way that they choose to, whether you approve of it or not, this would fall under that category. I mean, I just if, if you're going to say that people should get to post videos on YouTube espousing neo-Nazi propaganda, then you have to support porn. I mean, it, it doesn't mean that you have to like it. Doesn't mean that you have to enjoy it. Doesn't mean you have to watch it. But if you're going to be consistently principled, then yes, it has to apply across the board. I've said this so many times. The whole point of protecting free speech is not just for the shit you like. It's for the shit you don't like. Because you know what? Those people have just as much right to spout off whatever dumb bullshit they want. The same as I do. The same as you do. The same as everybody you like does. It's all or nothing. You, When you start trying to carve out exceptions, that's when shit is going to go sideways. Because one day, you're going to find yourself in one of those exceptions. And you're going to be like, hey, 
wait a minute, I, I didn't mean me, but there you are. So that's why I, I am a free speech absolutist. I am actually a free speech absolutist. I say everybody gets it. Everybody gets a chance to have their speech out there. Yeah, there should be no government regulations on speech. The Constitution is very clear on this. I don't even know why people who claim to be conservative or claim to be constitutionalists or claim to be 1A advocates even have to have this conversation. It's already been settled. It's right there. Congress shall make no law. There we go. We're done. This conversation, this argument, stupid, done, should stop right there. But moving on from the philosophical opposition to this idea to the more practical one, and that is that everybody, say it with me one time, banning things does not make them go away. Prohibition doesn't work. It's never worked. It's never worked with anything. It's not going to work with porn. This whole thing is stupid. Like, if you can understand that alcohol prohibition didn't work, even when we had a constitutional amendment outlawing alcohol, that did not stop people. Making drugs illegal has not stopped people. Making various other things crimes, making them illegal, has not stopped people from doing them. Why would anybody think that something like porn can possibly be made to not exist or to be banned in any way, shape, or form? And for what it's worth, people talk about the this our, our new era of porn, for lack of a better term, as if somehow porn just like magically sprung out of the internet. Porn has existed ever since art has existed. I mean, you can go all the way back to like, there's probably hieroglyphics of people fucking, if we're being honest. Somewhere in a cave in Egypt, there are hieroglyphs of people fucking. But even even if you look at ancient Greek and Roman art, there are very graphic depictions of sex, like very graphic. And I don't mean just like normal vanilla sex. I mean like orgies. <laughs> I mean like double penetration. I'm like, what in the world were these people doing that they immortalized all this right here on decorative plates? Yeah, just decorative plates, you know, because that's just what you have around your house, apparently, is just stuff that depicts graphic sex acts. I don't know, but I mean, that's it's always been there. And the funny thing about porn is that as technology evolves, porn is always on the bleeding edge. So whenever you think that you can ban porn in one format or another, they're right there. The industry is right there waiting for the next thing to come along and then they'll move into that. I mean, they, porn has pushed so much technological innovation and nobody ever really talks about it, but it's, it's wild when you look at the history and how the, the porn industry is always the early adopters. I mean, from everything from photography, from silent movies to movies with sound to, I mean, even once we started putting things on VHS or beta, um, laser discs, if you remember those, DVDs, the internet, VR, porn, right there. First people in the area, first people in the space, first people exploring it, because it's always the first thing people want. 
Like, I can remember when Oculus first dropped, people were like, when are we getting VR porn? Not, when are we getting VR games or when are we getting VR movies? When are we getting VR porn? Because that's what people are interested in. People like watching other people have sex. It is what it is. <laughs> people like watching other people fuck. That's why, that's why this whole industry exists. So you're not going to ban porn in any significant way, shape, or form because the industry is always going to evolve and the industry is going to evolve because there's always going to be a market for it. There's always going to be a demand for porn. So you're not, it's, you're not getting rid of it. And it's just the whole, the whole concept of trying to get rid of it is absurd. Like you, you clearly don't understand how market forces work or even how humans work. <laughs> we're innovative little monkeys, you know, humans are actually very, very creative. And when we want something, we figure out a way to get it one way or the other. So yeah, the whole idea of saying that you can ban porn. No, no, the, the industry always finds a way. Always. But the next thing that I want to address, and because this always seems to come up when these sorts of things come up, is the goddamn libertarians. And you guys just want to support drugs and porn. And it, you, the kids, the kids and, and, and stuff and things, and you don't care. And it's, you, it, you're just horrible people. Like, listen, people. Let me explain. Not that I don't think anybody listening to this isn't already keenly aware of how libertarianism works. Libertarianism is consent culture. And I did not make that up. I stole that from Kat Maritain and Liz Nolan Brown. But I think it is very applicable here because there seems to be like this idea that libertarians support non-consensual things. We do not. Libertarians do not support child pornography or pedophilia in that matter in any way, shape, or form because children can't consent. So no, libertarians do not support child porn. No, libertarians do not support coercive porn. Libertarians support porn if you support it at all, which by the way, it's perfectly fine if you don't like porn. Whatever, do you. We support two or more consenting adults choosing to engage in a sexual activity, be it on camera, be it off camera, be it for money, be it not for money, so long as everybody is consenting to what is going on. That's what we support. And that's why we support sex workers. That's why we support people in porn. That's why we support people being able to take whatever drugs they want to take. It's your choice. It's your decision. And with porn, it is your decision whether or not you want to partake in it or not. It, you're an adult. Do whatever you want within reason. And it's consensual. But as per usual, when you know, whenever anything remotely approaching libertinism comes up, it's it's always our fault. Always our fault. But... To, to kind of bring this around to really the more concrete things that happened over this weekend, it all started with Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh, not Matt Welch. Wrong Matt. Um, 
and and this is this is where I think a lot of libertarians should have problems with this. There are people like Matt, the the whole tradcon wing of the conservative movement, who do not feel the way we do about consent or about adults freely making their own choices. They want to see pornographers thrown in jail. Like, they want to see people caged for making porn. They want the state to come in and interfere. No. That is where every libertarian should be like, nope, 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 no government involvement in this whatsoever. You do not throw people in cages for nonviolent offenses. Uh, just no, that's abhorrent. Like, that's horrible. You do not ever advocate for that. And there are so many people who do. Like, this isn't a super fringe idea. I mean, it's not the norm when you look at the whole country. But if you look within the conservative movement, yes, there is very much this strain of tradcon, for lack of a better term, the national conservatives, the trads. I don't even know what to call these people, but they are statists. They want the state to enforce their morality and to police the things that they don't like. Fuck off. Mm-mm. You are free to live your life however you want. If you want to be a traditional conservative, you want to be a Christian, you want to n- have nothing to do with porn, you want nothing to do with drugs, you want nothing to do with any of that, you want to lead a clean, sober, healthy life, do you. Do not ever, ever advocate for the state to step in to enforce your particular beliefs. Nobody has that right. Nobody. So that's that's one of the reasons why. And it, it was a funny thing to watch this weekend because whenever these sorts of things come up, you always have that wing of the conservative movement that wants to disassociate themselves from libertarians. And I'm like, bye. Get by. Yes, you're not us. Correct. <laughs> there, there was one tweet that made the point that there, there was a time when conservatism and libertarianism was sold as the same thing, and they are not. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. They're not. Please say it louder for the people in the back. We're not the same. But yeah, it was just a really, really weird weekend. Really weird weekend. People got a little wild on Twitter with some of the shit they said. But the the last thing I want to kind of touch on, and especially with Matt Walsh's arguments and also the think about the children argument, is the the frame up. Especially if you look at the way these people frame their responses to those on the left who make arguments about guns and how we need to ban or regulate guns because of the children or the children might get a hold of it or blah, 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 blah. Their response is always, fuck off, Second Amendment, you're stupid. But they want to turn around and make that same argument about porn that the anti-gun people make about guns, that we have to somehow get rid of or ban this because of the children. And it's like, Again, if you're going to be ideologically consistent, you can't take one argument and say it is stupid in one venue, but completely appropriate in another. 
That doesn't make any sense. It's just, you just want to ban the shit that you want to ban and you don't want to ban the shit that you don't want to ban. And I would have way more respect for anybody who just came out and said that. Don't hide behind the children. Don't hide behind obscenity or don't hide behind, oh, there's some kind of public health crisis or there's some kind of crisis amongst men or there's porn addiction. Okay, whatever. Just say that you want something banned because you don't like it. I would respect somebody for telling the truth. I don't respect hypocrisy. (laughs) And it's just as simple as that. But yeah, I wanted to make this episode mainly to get all that off my chest and to, first of all, let you guys know exactly how the hell this whole thing happened. Because like I said, a lot of people were just like, wait, why... Why are we talking about porn? I'm very confused right now. So now you know how this whole argument started and how it evolved and just why it is stupid from a libertarian perspective to even have this argument. Like, it's it's dumb. It's done. It's already been settled legally. Like, I don't understand why this has to keep coming up. So at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And like I said, I'm going to try to do these episodes once a week. So try to hold me to that. (laughs) I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try because I want to make exclusive content for you guys. So always take care and until next time.